This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. Pepsi-Cola, P-E-P-S-I. That's your smartest cola buy. Pepsi-Cola presents Counter Spy. Washington calling David Harding, Counter Spy. Washington calling David Harding, Counter Spy. Harding, Counter Spy. Calling Washington. United States counter spies, especially appointed to investigate and combat the enemies of our country, both at home and abroad. Tonight, the case of the genuine counterfeit. Another counter spy report to the American people. Brought to you each Tuesday and Thursday by Pepsi Cola. That's right, you heard what they said. Two full glasses of sparkling Pepsi from one big 12-ounce bottle. You're getting an extra glassful. And what a delicious glassful. The most refreshing, delightful cola that ever tickled your taste. You can't top Pepsi's tangy flavor. And that big, big bottle saves you money, goes twice as far. Pepsi is America's big, big favorite. And America's biggest cola value. So why take less? When Pepsi is best. Whenever you reach for refreshment, remember. Why take less when Pepsi is best? And now to counter spy. A little over six weeks ago, in a small mid European country, a man, the private secretary of a diplomat named Borne, lay on the kitchen floor of his own apartment. His head, twisted to one side, revealed a dark bruise on one temple. And as he lay unconscious, a steady stream of gas hissed from the open jets of the stove. Gas which filled the room and swirled around the flickering pilot light of the stove. home from the funeral of poor Carlos. You heard of his horrible death in the gas explosion, did you not? Yes, Mr. Barney. I heard. Oh, traffic. And right before I am to leave for America. Oh, come in, come in. But let us not speak of that. Tell me, my friend, why are you here? This paper will explain. Huh? You see, I am to replace Carlos as your secretary. You? Giving up your position in the government? But why, my friend? Because I am your friend. And I realize your danger. Danger? To me? Mr. Borney, I don't believe the death of your secretary was the accident it seemed to be. Rudolph, you think the gas explosion was... It may have been an attempt to get at you. But why? I'm a poor old man, unimportant. Would your country send you on an important mission like this if they thought that? But that is why they sent me. Since our ambassador in the United States is ill, I sail to America. Arrange for the engraving of bonds for our government and bring them back personally. Oh, merely an honor to an old man. Three million dollars, merely an honor? 
the engraving of the bond on which the future of our nation will depend. Well, perhaps the fact that I avoid publicity and am not known outside our country was an added reason. Oh, I, I think... Thank you. I warn you, Mr. Bond. Don't underestimate your own importance. Oh, your drink. Uh, your drink, will Thank you. The birth of your secretary. The sudden illness of the ambassador in Washington. I feel it may all be a part of a dangerous point. Good heavens. Oh, very well, if you're right, I'd better ask the government for an armed guard on my trip. Mr. Borney, I have another suggestion. Uh, what is it, Rudolph? If you know any way... Uh... My suggestion is that you and I exchange identities. That you travel as my secretary, Rudolph, and I as the envoy, Borney. You would take that chance. Yours is the life of value to our country. You must get those bonds through. Very well. You feel that strongly about it, Rudolph? Very well. You shall be the special envoy, Vornay. I shall be your secretary, Rudolph, on our voyage to the United States. Younger, I'd be giving you competition myself. <laughs> well, shall we go to our cabin and finish packing? We dock early. Oh, very well, very well. Uh, by the way, uh, we are to be officially met when the ship docks. Uh, officially met? A radiogram came this morning from Mr. David Harding of the American Counterspy. Counterspy? Yes, he's to meet us personally. His agency may take over the job of guarding me and... You won't have to worry anymore. Please. Please. Oh, Mr. Bonin. Mr. Stevens, what's wrong? My uncle. He's fallen from his wheelchair and I can't lift him back. Would you and your secretary be willing to help me? Cabin's right down here. He's trying to reach his medicine when it's out. Here, this is nothing. All right. Now, if... Uh... Stephen, Uncle's not on the floor. He's there on the bed. I thought that... <coughs> Good work, Myra. The old fool never knew what hit him. That padded pipe is perfect. Got a mark on it. He can't afford any slips. Not with three million dollars at stake. How about your uncle on the bed? Is he still unconscious? I haven't found out of him since I got him aboard. The stuff you gave him was like a charm. Who is he anyway? Just a sailor I found on the dock. But he served his purpose. Here, give me a hand with old Bonnie. We'll put him in the wheelchair. Quiet. Why don't we get rid of him? What are we saving for? I have many uses in mind for old Borney. Now, my life, does a hypodermic needle bother you? Well, if you don't needle me with it. 
How long will that stuff keep the old man unconscious, Rudolph? Long enough for you to get him ashore tomorrow into your apartment. <laughs> That's a keep him quiet. I'll get me a blanket. Sure. I wrapped around the other hand. Wrap it around, Bourne. Now, as far as anyone knows, this is the same man you brought aboard. Your poor, invalid uncle. While you go on posing as warning. Pretty slick, Rudolph. I planned it tonight. One thing I don't get, though. Everyone in the United States will accept you as warning. Why did you have to forge a duplicate order for those bonds? Now, dear, Bourne was sent out to have $3 million worth of bonds printed. With that duplicate letter, I can have six million made. Six is more than three. So far, so good. At the right time, I send three million back to my country as they expect. But for myself, I have three million more. Perfect funds, genuine composites, duplicates, that is, to be sold here and there around the world for my own profit. And mine. You'll get your share. Okay, mastermind. How do we get rid of the sailor? We'll wait till the deck is empty. And then send our sailor on his last sail. Without the boat. Up to the rail, Mara. Now you understand what you're to do. After we toss him over, I call man overboard. Then I tell the captain I saw my secretary, Rudolph, fall over the side of the ship. And I back you up so nobody can doubt your story. Okay, let's get it over. With. All right. One, two, three. Hello, uh, <clears throat> Uncle. Mr. Harry Peters. Mr. Harry Peters in Counter-Spy Statistical Department. Please report to Mr. Harding's office at once. Report to Mr. Harding. What's up, Mr. Harding? Good job for you, Peter. Oh, I got my bulletproof vest. No, oh, this is an easy one. I just want you to meet a ship with me in New York and then arrange for the safety of the foreign envoy who's aboard. Another throneless king? A man named Borne. He's been sent here to arrange the printing of some bonds for his country. Why here, Dave? To cut the chances of counterfeiting. The country's economy is already shaky, and they're issuing these bonds to add to the Marshall Plan aid we're already giving them. Any counterfeits might topple the government. So we play this, man. Well, it's vitally important for the United States to see that his government doesn't fall. These bonds may be the deciding factor. We'll fly up to New York now. The ship docks tomorrow morning. said Mr. Borne went into this restaurant. What? Oh, sorry, Dave. That red-headed girl. The one who left the ship of the man in the loose chair? Mm-hmm. Now, if foreign envoys look like that girl, yeah, we'd have even more international complications. Come on, Romeo. <laughs> Mr. said Mr. Borne was wearing a white suit. Over there, Dave. Corner table. Looks rather young, doesn't it? Judging from what I've heard of Borne... Get the nine foot pan inside, didn't I? Uh, Mr. Borne? Ah, you must be Mr. David Hart. Well, I'm sorry we missed you when you came down the gangplank. This is my assistant, Harry Peters. Morning. I'm very pleased to meet you both. Won't you join me? Thanks. 
You probably think it odd of me to eat as soon as I land. But you see, I consider myself a gourmet. Food on the boat. Well, I understand. I hope the voyage was good otherwise, though. On the contrary, Mr. Harney. It's a tragic. Oh? My secretary, Rudolph, was lost at sea. Lost? He fell overboard. Evidently an attack of dizziness. Poor Rudolph. Strange we hadn't heard of it, Mr. Harney. Well... Death on the high seas, ship of foreign registry, I suppose, Mr. Peters, they would not trouble your counterspies with such a minor, though tragic accident. Oh, is everyone sure it was an accident? It was seen both by myself and another passenger, but there was no question. It was definitely an accident. Was he a close friend, Mr. Boney? Very. Hmm. Well, my business in seeing you this morning, Mr. Boney, was to welcome you to our country and arrange whatever protection you desire while you're here. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. Harding, I have a great deal to do in your country. Great deal to see. Well, that's right. This is your first time outside your own country, isn't it? Yes. And I'd rather not have your agent tagging after me. I'm sure you understand. Well, that's up to you, of course. If there's anything at all we can do for you, please call on us. Shall we go, Peter? the found, eh? Piers, did you notice the way Borne was eating? He takes his food seriously. No, no, I mean the way he handled his silverware. He held a fork in his right hand eating, but when he wanted to cut, he changed the fork to his left. Well, don't we both do the same thing? Of course, we all do in this country. But in the one Borne comes from, a country he's never supposed to have left before. They do it in the opposite way, keeping the fork in the left hand all the time. No, but they oh, are. I admit it's a small thing, Peter. But there are others, too. Considering the importance of his mission, we can't take any chances. So what could be wrong? I don't know. Yes. But I will. Peter, we're going to have to be awfully careful because of his diplomatic standing. But we're going to do a bit of checking on Mr. Borney. You were right, Dave. By improve a foul plan, Borney's secretary, Paul... Not yet. Thorndike is checking that angle now, but I checked in the recent news reports from Borne's country, and I found that the secretary before this one also died under peculiar circumstances. Oh? Short time before Borne sailed, he died of a mysterious gas explosion at his home. Oh. There's certainly something very fishy about Borne that isn't explained by his sea voice. Wait, Dave, there's more. I found that only three pictures of Borne have ever been taken. The only copies of them in the main office of their big news service are mysteriously missing from their files. Peter's... This is another proof that we ought to have a better, quicker means of getting photographs of people we're interested in. If we only had some sort of miniature camera that could be issued as standard equipment for every counterspy... That would certainly simplify our work, Dave. Well, question. A camera small enough to fit in the hand with a simplified foolproof mechanism. As simple as the old-style box cameras that a kid could operate. Well, why not send instructions through to Washington tonight? Photo Lab could begin work on it now. I'm going to do it. If we had a camera like that on this case... Well, we haven't. We'll do the best we can. Now, first of all, Peter, keep on with this investigation of the high mortality rate in Borney's secretary. Right. Also, I want a tail put on Borney. Our best man, Peter. This man's clever. Plant the men at his hotel, too. I'll see to it, Dave. And I want all our field officers alerted to try to locate somebody, a relative, a friend, who can identify Borney. Dave, the captain of the ship identified him. At least he's the same man who came aboard. We can't pass up any chances. Now, I also want to know whether Borney has ordered those bonds for his government. If so, I want delivery to installed. Until we complete our investigation. I'll handle that myself. Uh, no, uh, assign J-4 to it. I've got another job for you, Peters. A special job. 
just a moment, we'll return to Counter Spy, brought to you by Pepsi Cola. Pepsi-Cola, Pepsi-Spot, two cold glasses, that's a lot. Lots more value, lots more zest. Why take less when Pepsi's best? More and more, among fellows and girls, among mothers and dads, you hear that sane and sensible question. Why take less when Pepsi is best? No budget, no allowance ever had a better friend than tangy, sparkling Pepsi-Cola. Because one big 12-ounce Pepsi bottle gives you two delicious drinks. That's twice as much tangy taste. Twice as much delicious Pepsi to go just twice as far. That's why more and more families say, why take less when Pepsi is best? Yes, families like yours and mine, families all over America, they're all saying, why take less when Pepsi is best? Pepsi-Cola, it's a pop, tastes terrific when you're hot, more and better than the rest. Why take less when Pepsi is best? Today, tomorrow, always, get America's biggest cola value. Take home a carton of six big, big Pepsi bottles. Insist on Pepsi at the store. And say Pepsi at the fountain. Say Pepsi at the stand. Say Pepsi. Whenever you reach for refreshment, remember... Why take less when Pepsi's best? And now, back to Counterspy. A man stands outside the door of a New York apartment hotel, looks around, then pushes the doorbell. Has anything odd happened to you, Myra? Ah? Huh? Any repairmen trying to get in? People with the wrong apartment number, noise on the telephone? No, no, nothing. Think mm. somebody's on Think Harding and his counter spies are suspicious. I told you about my lunch. Harding didn't say anything. He watched me very closely, and now I've been followed every time I leave my hotel. Huh? And you came here? Don't worry, I shook them off. But we must move fast. You want to run? Give up three million dollars in a year's work? No. I've already ordered the bonds. We just need a little more time. Well, suppose they dealt out you're not born in. Myra, darling, suppose I prove that I am. Hmm? Is Bonnie still safe in the next room? Sure. Let's go see. Huh? Try to wake up if I know. I don't have to give him another hypo. All right, but from now on, only half a shot. Yeah. It's all peace for you. If we cut down on the dose, he might wake up and make a little noise. And keep him tied and dead. But I need him conscious enough to sign some papers. Where's that gold cigarette case? Uh, here in the drawer. I was keeping it. You mean you were going to steal it? <laughs> I give you a chance at part of $3 million and you waste time on small change. Mara, you're still just a nightclub girl at heart. Hey, now. Hold on when I get a fingerprint all over the cigarette case. But good luck to you. Your prints will be on it, too. Oh, no. I coated my own fingers with collodion. I can't leave any prints. Then what? I read in the papers that David Harding is again in New York. I'm going to drop in and see him and just happen to leave my case. Warner will be the only prince they'll find him. It's pretty slick, Rudolph, even to you. <laughs> Isn't it? I just hope it's uh, slick enough to fool the counter spy. <laughs> calling Mr. Harding. A checkup of bond engraving companies revealed that two separate orders have been placed by Borne. Each order is for $3 million worth of negotiable bonds. Examination of the orders proves one letter to be a clever duplicate of the other. 
Twice the original amount ordered, huh? And that's the answer to his racket. Three million to be sold by his government and an equal amount for his own profit. The bond companies have agreed to stall him as you requested. Okay. Stand by for further orders. All right, Miss Ferguson, you can send Mr. Vornay in now. Come in, Mr. Vornay. Thank you. How about not keeping you from your store? Port, welcome. Not at all. What can I do for you? I stopped in to thank you and Mr. Peters for the kindness of meeting me when I shipped back the other day. Well, I'm sorry Mr. Peters isn't in right now. He's out on the job. Shame. I hope to see him. Uh, mind if I smoke, Mr. Honey? Not at all. You'll find some cigarettes there. Chopper, please. I have this case of my own favorite brand. Oh, do you excuse me? Sure. Howdy, Biggie. Oh, down to We got him at Warney's room as soon as he left and went over with the infrared equipment so there won't be any traces left. Mm-hmm. Get anything? All the fingerprints you want. I'm bringing the photographs right down to be developed. One bad break, though. Warney again shook off the man we had trailing him. No idea where he is now. I have. Here. Boy, if he could hear this call. I don't think that would be too good. I'll see you later. Sorry, Mr. Warner. It is my fault for taking up your time when you are busy chasing some, uh, how you say, international racketeers. No, no, I'm glad you came. I have some news for you. We've located an old friend of yours here in the United States. A friend? Otto Sebling in Chicago. Used to work with you in your country. Remember him? Oh, of course. But you shouldn't have a bond. Oh, it's no bother at all, Mr. Vaughan. Anything to make your visit here a memorable one. I've arranged for Strebling to fly in from Chicago tonight. He'll land at 7. Please, could, could someone please tell me where I can get a cab? Could any? For goodness sake, well, no, what happened? Otto Sebby. Yes, I'm Otto. Darling, how good to see you. But, but well, I... with me. My name is Myra Stevens. I'm a college star. A college star? Oh, goodness sake. I'm You value your life to me, I tell you. Darling, just you come along with me. My car is right outside. Into this house, Mrs. Sedling. All right, but why do we have to be so careful? Is there anything you want to lie? I told you, you and Vornay are both in danger. You, uh, you are taking me to my old friend, Mr. Vornay, aren't you? Yes, he's being hidden here until we catch the foreign agent for us. All right, get inside. All right, you don't have to poke at me this. Why do you point that gun at me? Why do people usually point guns, stupid? Now go on to the next one. But, but, but you said you would take me to my friend. That's just what I'm doing. It's right in here. There you are, Otto, old boy. Mr. Vornick. Well, what could you think? He's all tied up in his feet. We tried to convince him he could sign some papers. Maybe now when he sees you, he'll behave. Hmm. You are not with the counterfeit. Stay where you are. I may wear a fish, Bob, but I can shoot pretty good at close range. You, you, you lied to me. Not entirely. In a way, I am with the counterfeit. He's my boss, Rudolph is. Yeah, at this very minute, he's having dinner with David Harding, head of the counterfeit. 
setting up a perfect alibi for himself. But Mr. Harding, when I invited you to dinner... Well, we'll have our dinner, Mr. Forney, but first I thought you'd like to see how we make an arrest in this country. Of course, but our call I received just before we left was from my agent. They followed the girl accomplice of a certain criminal to a house here in the suburbs. This house, as a matter of fact. Yes. Come on, Mr. Morning. I'm sure you'll be interested. After you, Mr. Honey. Oh, no, Mr. After you. The kidnapping of Mr. Vornay, forging official documents, and... But, Mr. Man... Harding, I'm not responsible for what this woman did. Why, you don't crack You're not passing the buck to me on this. Mr. Harding, this guy's already killed two men, and before I'm done talking... All right, right. you'll get your chance to talk. You already have all the proof we need. You see, Rudolph, your clever trick with the cigarette case didn't work. We'd already gotten your fingerprints from your apartment. You simply gave away the fact that the real envoy was here, too. Ah! And you thought you were so slick, Master Mark. He was, but not clever enough. He fell for the story that an old friend of Borney's was coming and led my men here just as we expected. All right, Mr. Harding. Let's get it over with. Let's go. Certainly, Rudolph. Oh, I did promise you a dinner, didn't I? Well, you'll get it. It'll be interesting to get the opinion of a gourmet like yourself, Rudolph, on the food served in our federal prison. <laughs> your friends drop in, be generous, but be thrifty, too. Serve plenty of delicious Pepsi-Cola. Pepsi's big 12-ounce bottle gives you not just one sparkling glass full, but two. Get a carton of six and serve 12 delicious drinks. Yes, Pepsi is America's biggest cola value. You get twice the tangy taste, twice the refreshment, twice the Pepsi. So why take less when Pepsi is best? Whenever you reach for refreshment, remember... Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday, same time, same station, to Counter Spy. Listen next Tuesday for the exciting Counter Spy case of the Society of Swindlers. Time, said the master criminal, had to be treated just right, and time meant two things money and death. Yet in the end, it was time that trapped him, for time is not the exclusive weapon of crime, but used, too, by your counter-spies to catch the man I call the Society Swindler. Case of the Society Swindler on Counter-Spy. Tonight's Counter-Spy program originated in New York, was directed by William M. Sweets and featured Don McLaughlin and Mandel Kramer, with music by Jesse Crawford. Counter Spy is a Phyllis H. Lord production for Pepsi-Cola. Enjoy some Pepsi. Ice cold tonight. (laughs) 